Peace be with you. Each week, as we are gathered in this space, a pastor offers a prayer which concludes with all of us joining together to pray what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Today, those of you who were listening but not reading when I read the gospel may have thought I misread the text. But being people who are generous and knowledgeable about biblical translation, you may have thought the Lord's Prayer that we all know and love is in the King James Version, but because we're at Northminster, Major was reading the New Revised Standard Version, and that would be some of the translation differences. While I appreciate the generosity I have just described to you, even that would be misplaced because I just read what was written. It's true it was not the King James Version, but the real difference is that the Lord's Prayer as recorded by Luke, rather than Matthew, is a little different. Like other stories and sermons and sayings throughout the Gospels, Matthew and Luke record the words differently. And it would be very easy for us to get bogged down in a lengthy diatribe about the origin of the differences and what those mean for the authenticity of this prayer. But I would rather us consider the prayer as Luke records it, in the context in which Luke has placed it. The previous chapter includes Luke telling the parable of the Good Samaritan and visiting Martha's house. Today's reading begins with the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. He suggests they should pray like this, then in his best King James English offers an abbreviated version of the prayer we have prayed and heard sung this morning. Then Jesus poses two hypothetical situations to the disciples. In the first, a man goes to his neighbor late at night to ask for some bread for an unexpected visitor. And the second, a child asks a parent for some food. These two hypothetical situations and the parables that precede the prayer that Jesus offers as a model to the disciples can help to cultivate creativity in our minds as we engage with this prayer. Both Luke's NRSV prayer and even Matthew's King James Version. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus places salvation for a half-dead man in the ditch on the donkey of a despised other, the least likely person of all to bring salvation to a man who is a Jew. Then, Jesus honors Mary as she rests at the feet of Jesus, even as he reminds Martha that her dignity and worth lie not in what she does, but in who she is. These things we know, in part thanks to Jason's and Leslie's sermons last week and the week before. If you missed them, go to the website and listen, but wait until after the service. <laughs> Luke then records Jesus offering this prayer, all of which is familiar. One line, though, sticks out to me more than the others. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Luke modernizes and summarizes into these words, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. The other lines of the prayer make more immediate sense to me. In our prayers, we need to name, honor, and praise God. We need to take forgiveness seriously. In our supplications to God, we need to be mindful of what things we need to sustain life and what things are luxuries. But then there is this, your kingdom come. It is exceptionally difficult for me to read this and not hear Matthew's parts, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it is in this line where I need the imaginative help offered by the preceding parables and the subsequent hypothetical situations offered by Jesus. I need help in part because I have no real-life concept of what a kingdom is. There is, of course, the United Kingdom, but from this side of the ocean, the influence of the monarchy seems largely symbolic. The royal family seems to make news most for marriages, births, fashion, potential disagreements, much more than they do for setting policies or placing limitations on the way people go about their day-to-day -day lives. Somehow, this type of kingdom does not seem to fit with that about which Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. If Jason Coker was right in his interpretation on the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I think he was, that we are called to be neighbors in a new way, in a way where everyone matters, from the brigands and robbers to the priests and Levites and even the biblical scholars. And if Leslie was right in her interpretation of the story of Mary and Martha, and I'm pretty sure she was, they both had value by being precisely who they were, beloved children of God. Then this kingdom, about which Jesus is teaching us to pray for its coming, is going to be something very different than the United Kingdom, where colonies that have become countries still pay homage to the crown, even while remaining free to be as selfish as they want to be. This kingdom is going to simultaneously free us to engage in unexpected relationships of mutual transformation and require that we recognize the image of God in ourselves and in those who inhabit this kingdom with us. The stories that follow this prayer continue to create some imaginative space in which our creativity might be unleashed. In one, an unexpected host needs bread for his guest. He goes to ask for some from his neighbor. Now, if this man is knocking on his neighbor's door loud enough to wake him up, the open windows of everyone in the neighborhood are going to be able to hear the interaction. All of the neighbors would be bound by the same communal expectations of hospitality, hospitality which might rival the state of Mississippi, the hospitality state. The man in the middle, the man knocking on the door knew this, and though he stood empty-handed between his guest who had need and his neighbor who had provisions, 
He knew if he asked long enough and loud enough, he would eventually shame his neighbor into giving him the bread he needed in order that he might be appropriately hospitable to his guest. Jesus follows this story with a summary statement to which I must join Hal and David Foster Wallace's tome, Infinite Jest, in having administrative bones to pick with God. Jesus notes, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. among us hasn't prayed diligently, if not desperately, for something that just never came about. I don't mean winning the lottery or going on a date with that certain someone. I mean truly altruistic and heavy things, cure of a terminal disease, one last chance to see a loved one before they pass, for the abuse to stop. For the medication to work, to get pregnant, to get married, for people to stop asking how one can be happy not being married, for equal protection under the law or in the church. When these prayers go unfulfilled, quoting Jesus saying, ask and it will be given to you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened, seems to become more an indictment of the one who quotes Jesus rather than the one praying prayers that feel as though they are going nowhere. It almost feels like the message is, if you just prayed harder or longer, or if you just had more faith, then everything would be okay. Perhaps administrative bones to pick is not quite strong enough. When Jesus makes this statement that we have for too long made about prayer to God that enough asking, searching, and knocking will get the righteous person exactly what they want, perhaps Jesus is describing something different. Perhaps Jesus is describing what it will mean to be in the kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God comes, we will live with a new sense of neighborliness. We will recognize and celebrate the worth and dignity of every person, the beers and the doers. We will, with confidence, be able to step into the night to ask for the help we need to host an unexpected visitor, confident that the community that dwells within the kingdom will see this unexpected visitor as a visitor of all of us, rather than just a problem that one family or household must host without any outside help. After all, who among us, when facing our own mortality, or that of a loved one does not have need of a community to care and support and do those things for which we just cannot do for ourselves. Who among us would not want help if we were in an abusive situation? Who among us would not want help becoming 
we would not welcome help to pay our bills in the moments which our, the demands on our resources outpace the capacity of our resources. Who among us does not want to be valued and celebrated for our inherent worth? These are not things we need to spend time praying about. If we truly want for the kingdom of God to come, if we truly want to experience God's will on earth as it is in heaven, we need to live in such a way that makes it possible that when people ask, it is given. When people search, they find. When people knock, the door is opened. We need to be a community that comes together when diligent and desperate prayers continue to feel unfulfilled, outcomes less than desired. Sitting together, grieving together, loving together. That is what the kingdom of God looks like. Don't hear me saying we don't need to pray. What I am saying is that while we are picking our administrative bones with God about not receiving the things we are asking for, the altruistic and the selfish alike, we need to examine whether we are laying the groundwork for the kingdom of God to come, or if we are helping to prevent the kingdom of God from being made manifest among us. The way we live will influence the way that we pray. And the way that we pray will influence the way that we live. It is my suspicion that Jesus and the author of the Gospel of Luke were up to a little trickery with this arrangement of teaching and praying. For you see, we will not be able to live in a way that everyone matters if we fail to pray in a way where everyone matters. And if we fail to pray in a way where everyone matters, then we won't be able to live that way. We will not be able to celebrate the worth of every human if we do not pray in such a way that celebrates the worth of every human. When we pray the words, your kingdom come. And when we pray the words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, these words call us to more than waiting on God. They call us to action. Depending on God. Being inspired by God and empowered by God, they call us to get to work as we have ability these words of prayer call us to change the way that we live so that when we pray them again, they inspire us to imagine how we might go about living our lives in such a way that we see just one more glimpse of what God's coming kingdom looks like. And this glimpse will call us back to prayer in new and fresh ways. Our prayers influencing our lives our lives influencing our prayers. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Amen. <laughs>